0: It's actually all about the customer. So it's mapping that customer journey. It's trying to solve the problems that customers want you to solve for them within your ecosystem. Upgrade, downgrade, you know, hide it from your wife or hide it from your husband. Contextual commerce is going to be the affiliate 3.0 in my in my view. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart.
1: Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e-commerce talent agency, eSuite. Today's guest is a retail entrepreneur of the highest extreme, and it's really likely that you've recently used is technology. Jason White is the co-founder and managing director of Marketplacer, which, in his words, allows you to sell shit that you don't own. In my words, Marketplacer allows retailers to create marketplaces to dramatically expand the product range and serve every need of your customer. That's not even a paid spot. How good was that? Marketplacer currently powers 100 marketplaces in 10 countries across the world and connects about 25,000 businesses for retail trade. In Australia, they're currently used by leading retailers including Woolworths, Surfstitch, Meyer, and Petstock and have just secured investment from Woolworths as well as Salesforce. They're currently focused on their US expansion as they aim to take over the retail world. But this isn't his first parade. Jason actually started Bike Exchange about 15 years ago and it's now a leading online cycling marketplace in 10 countries and valued at $32 million on the ASX. Why he's spending an hour with me, I will never know. In today's chat, we cover the different type of marketplaces retailers can consider for growth, why marketplaces are a customer strategy, not a product strategy, and why Jason starts his Melbourne mornings off with a surf. So thanks to our partners, Shopify Plus and Signet. Here's our conversation with Jason Wyatt from Marketplacer. Jason, welcome to Add to Cart. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. I hear you. Um, you're in Melbourne, but you started your day off with a surf. Yeah, it is really cool.
0: One of the most amazing experiences that you can nearly do is the um, well, Melbourne's not famous for its surf. It's got some of the best. Victoria's got some of the best surf in the world, but they've built this place called Urban Surf. It's actually at the airport, and um, it's it's probably the best wave pool in the world at the moment. So every sort of Monday morning at six am, I head to Urban Surf and 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 hit some barrels and some waves before before getting in here for an hour. I'm at work by seven thirty, and it's just it's just the phenomenon. So
1: yeah, it's just a super way to start the day. That's brilliant because it all came about because you're sitting on your balcony, looking super relaxed and on a Monday morning, and that explains it all. Uh, exactly we- you got to you've got to get both sides of it going, do you? Like you've got to clear the mind,
0: get your get your body and the blood pumping, but then um, but then also have a really great balanced
1: life. Spot on. Now you've had a super crazy uh, last couple of months, by the look of it, some really big investments from the likes of Salesforce and Woolworths. How's that been for you? It's been humbling. Is a word that I
0: typically use when um, we say it. That yeah, and they're two different things. We've probably got three sort of journeys from behind capital. We've actually got some of the most amazing institutional funds in Marketplacer who, who really have enabled us to, to scale up and grow. And then last year we said, how, how do we, what, what purpose can we have behind truly scaling on a global basis and how do we forge a deeper um, relationship? Uh, and then we wanted to do that with a, a really large ecosystem and we thought, well, Salesforce is one of those Organisations And to get a global tech company to buy into a, a, you know, a Melbourne technology company um, really gives us a huge amount of credibility to enable us to grow all over the world. And, and then, you know, the third pillar behind that being Woolworths to get Australia's largest supermarket or, or retailer full stop to, to not only you know, get over the fact that the build versus buy from a technology perspective, but then to have such a wonderful experience with our team and our product that they said, hey, we believe in this, we believe this can be a, a phenomenal global technology company and then to buy in is, um, you know, there's that one word that humble it, that rolls
1: through. It's a nice word. It, it really sums it up nicely. From your point of view, a relationship with Woolworths, I'm assuming that it goes beyond the money though and that there's more of a partnership here. What will it unlock for you moving forward? Yeah.
0: Primarily, it's all around scale and a deep relationship. So um, there, there's no caveats that come with either Salesforce Ventures or um, W23 investing into marketplaces. So there's no preferential or special treatment over uh, any platform or any other customer that, uh, that you know, necessarily that they'll receive. But what, what it means is they're invested in our success. And that that success now gets extended in, via a contract. And that success also means that we get you know, a really, really clear look at the rest of the group to enable them to grow in a modern way. And, and very similar with the Salesforce Ventures deal that we did. There's no preferential treatment in there, but we figured if we could get, if we could get one of the largest technology companies to have a sense of belonging and, and to be part Deeply invested in our community, then if we're in a deal flow cycle into their six thousand customers globally, or we're in a hey, how do, how can we work your product over to more integrate deeply deeper into our product? We we figured if we can get them to have that sense of belonging behind us as well, that it could be only a positive thing.
1: Brilliant. And so let's let's take people back if we if they haven't listened to the Justin Hilberg from Surf Stitch episode with us, or they don't know a lot about Marketplacer, and there's a lot more to your story, obviously, than Marketplacer, but that's where we're going to start. How would you describe Marketplacer? The the simplest way to describe Marketplacer
0: is is we make it easy to sell shit that you don't own. And what I mean by that is a traditional business has, and we saw it during COVID, a traditional business has traditional constraints. And by saying that I want to make it easy to sell shit that you don't own means that you can be limitless around how many widgets you can sell to your customer base so i'll give you the prime example um, of the of what we fundamentally do so we're a technology company that enables you to create a marketplace to enable to sell things that you don't own so then if you unpick that lots of people say to us well how many marketplaces can there be So everyone we speak to, we always talk about two core things in business. What's your unfair advantage? And most businesses, when you really, really dumb it down, is their most important asset that they've got is their customers. So if you've got a large cohort of customers or you know how to attract a large cohort of customers, then if you can make it easy to sell them things on a scalable basis, then you know, you may not call yourself a marketplace. You may call it range extension. You may call it drop shipping. You may call it whatever you like. But if you can pull that together in a really cohesive experience, then you can employ a marketplace strategy. And now we power 100 marketplaces in 10 countries around the world with 25,000 businesses connected into the ecosystem. So and our community only—the more people we get, the more customers we get, the the stronger our community gets together—and and that's that's really something we're we're deeply trying to achieve.
1: Think Shopify Plus is just for simple retailers? Well, let me tell you, JB Hi-Fi is no simple business. But when their old site crashed for two hours during Black Friday, doing nothing was simply not an option. Shopify Plus was selected as their e-commerce partner to help facilitate the fast-growing $5 billion retailer. However, with over 200 dispatch locations, a reliance on a web of APIs, and the ability to handle triple growth, it wasn't an out-of-the-box implementation. But the results spoke for themselves. JB Hi-Fi cruised through a record Black Friday and Cyber Monday in 2019 without a hitch, have reduced average page load time by 15% and were even able to redeploy three techies whose job it was just to watch the servers to make sure it didn't go down. JB Hi-Fi and Shopify Plus, not just smashing prices, but smashing e-commerce. To read more of JB Hi-Fi's story and see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. What are some of the marketplaces that people may have used, especially here in Australia, that they may not realise is actually powered by Marketplacer? Yeah,
0: there's really three types of
1: marketplaces,
0: and I'll touch on all three types. And these are both B2C and B2B. And what you're finding is B2B is becoming a bit of a revelation. So the first types are your traditional types of marketplaces where, where they don't own any inventory at all. Historically, uh, and Australia's been really famous at creating these businesses. They never used to be called marketplaces; they were called classified sites before you could transact on them. They, you know, they were led by great innovators, the, the Bassett's in Seek, and you know Greg Roebuck in Car Sales, and all these incredible Australians. And it's about creating a tribe, a community, a sense of belonging behind two sides of that marketplace. So, a cohort of sellers and a community of people. Who want to buy from them. And, and sometimes the sellers and the buyers can switch roles, and they your sellers become buyers and your buyers become sellers. But they're your tribes. So we call them the tribe marketplace. So we were famous for creating bike exchange originally, which we'll probably touch on a maybe a little bit later. But now we power all types of tribal marketplaces um, all over the world. For example, Fishbrain, the largest fishing app, is powered by Marketplacer. To create its marketplace. You would have seen during COVID, or you may have seen during COVID that um, a friend of mine, Shane Delia, he approached us and said, Hey Jay, so I've got I've got a major problem, right? I've got three institutional restaurants. I've got 110 staff who work with them, being Maha and the Maha group. And I can't sell my customers anything, but I've got this glimmer of hope. You know, I've I've figured out how to do it. To deliver food to customers within a thirty-five k of thirty-five radi- k radius of the Melbourne CBD, and I've got this idea that during COVID, people are going to get really sick of just ordering Uber Eats and getting sloppy food all the time. They're gonna they're gonna to want to bring the magic of a restaurant home and experience that in the home. And I've come up with a way to make people feel like they're cooking without the hard work of doing all of the prep work. So what he did is he created a we, – or we created a company called Providor together. And, and, and Providor, you effectively get it all pre-packaged in a refrigerated box. It gets delivered into your doorstep twice, either in a.m. or p.m. deliveries. But you just finish it off. It's all pre-chopped. It's all, all the recipes are then. So you're just following a really simple recipe and you can create a – you can genuinely create the magic of a restaurant um, in your home. And after a 12-week period, that business. So it took us five weeks to build it from scratch and after 12 weeks it was on a $100 million run rate and it was only delivering on within 35K of Melbourne. So when you talk about tribes and connection, creating a sense of belonging and solving a need, nothing can ever scale like a marketplace. Now, not everyone's going to be able to create a tribe called Providor that solves that need in those times but that's the type of scale you can achieve. That second core tribe in there is really anchored around retailers and, and they're coming thick and fast, aren't they? Like whether they're calling themselves a marketplace or it's like Surf stitch where suppliers are just sending it directly to you. But this is where the businesses have an unfair advantage, which is that unfair advantage around a great community customer base, access to the supply base, but probably limited by capital like every business in the world. And what they're doing is they're plugging marketplace into it to do range extensions. So, for example, Maya, you're probably buy off Maya where you actually power 70,000 SKUs from 300 brands. You're probably buying more from the Maya marketplace than potentially you are from Maya on a daily basis if you're shopping in that ecosystem. What Justin and the team have done at Search Stitch is just extraordinary in a short space of time. You're seeing businesses like Bob Jane Tmart who you kind of go, well, what, how's Bob Jane Team at a marketplace? Well, if you think of most franchise groups, the or actually doesn't own the inventory. So it's about connecting the live inventory up into all of their stores. And then once you're buying tires, potentially in the future, what else could you buy with a marketplace strategy? Or you see businesses like Petstock that can't fit 70,000 SKUs within their stores or their warehouses, whether it's big and bulky items like dog kennels and and, and different pet categories that now they can range extending to its scale or, or obviously recently, you know, the Woolworths group announcing um, what they're doing with us. So it's a phenomenon. It's not It's not going away in that space. And then the last core category we're seeing is around brands and wholesalers. Yeah, because there's always been this conflict in business around where a brand or a wholesaler should or shouldn't play with the customer. It's kind of, I nearly liken it to a, a, a boat um, and a pier so they they firmly have forged them you know if they're tied to the pier they're firmly bonded tightly together but as as customers are bought in different ways in, through different channels and the fragmentation of how they can buy you've you've firmly seen those piers the pier and a boat start to separate and i feel as most brands or wholesalers they've kind of got one foot on the pier hmm. and and one foot on the boat and unless you're Van Dam, <laughs> at a kickboxer. It's not a then- nice result, is it? <laughs> no. So eventually something's eventually going to snap in that natural relationship. But what we're seeing with brands and wholesalers is not necessarily waking up and thinking you're a market base, by, but by connection into your stockists. So when you've got a brand site and you can connect to everyone in the world selling your products, and drive sales through the traditional, through the traditional channels. It's unbelievably powerful. Yeah. So that's one way the brands and wholesalers are using this. So if this retailer's got it in stock, cut them in on it. If they haven't got it in stock no one can complain because they're not stocking it. So you can ship it directly. So we're seeing this conflict actually bring in the boat and the pier a little bit back together as a community. It's driving the right behaviour from retailers and stockers who says, now, because I get your online sale, I'll put my hand up and I'll stock more of your items. And it's driving the right behaviour from the brands. But then we're also seeing some great case studies from organisations like Nokia, who you would never have thought would have done this in a million miles. And yet Nokia have done a brilliant job of redesigning their phone and i've got a huge global community now but what they've said is that the phone is the access to the customer what else can i sell that connects into my phone that i don't actually have to own or ship and you know whether that's a, a google product that's linked up or headphones so when you actually go to the nokia site you know you can buy from these third party these these third party products as well so you think about those three tribes it's it's the it's the or the, the our segments it's those clearly it's the tribe it's the retailers and it's the brand
1: and wholesalers yeah it's nice and, and i love those examples you gave because you know when you hear marketplace you'll probably go straight to catch or the Maya marketplace or the more traditional marketplaces but like you said it could be consumer to consumer it could be creating new businesses it could be expanding on the current business with your scale or it could be b2b like so many options there and um What strikes me about all of those is that it feels, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like this is less about the product but about the customer and giving the customer what they want and having that and owning that relationship with the customer. It's actually all
0: about the customer. So it's mapping that customer journey. It's actually trying to solve um, the problems that customers want you to solve for them within your ecosystem And, and, you know, that There will always be a place for what we call mega marketplaces. You know, there's these big everything, everything stores out there. But what we're finding is if you can actually get that whole customer experience and you can own that channel for the things that you want to be famous for, that makes sense in a curated basis for your customer journey. And you can, you know, you don't have to have that in your warehouse. You don't have to link it up. You don't have to take the risk around it. Yeah, we're finding that, you know, in spades and surf stitch is a great example, right? So surf stitch aren't about to going to sell baby prams on surf stitch, right? Yeah. But they know their customer is in a mindset that, you know, their, their, their mindset is, you know, I love the outdoors and I love surfing. And if you love surfing, chances are you probably love, you know, you love the outdoors and camping and some fringe products around that. You love wellness and health being. It's not the type of sport you can physically do unless you're pretty fit. And, and that's exactly what they've mm. gone and what they're learning out of that is what their customers want to do and don't do and what categories can they play in and not play in but they can do it with speed and scale and profit which
1: is which is one of the most
0: important things
1: yeah absolutely and do you find that the options that you give people through marketplace opens up their eyes and potentially even saves their business when they look at the traditional d2c model and they go oh we can't even do we can't do D, the traditional d2c model but Look at all these other options. What we find is businesses are able to
0: fail faster in this strategy. So once you've got it set up, to set up a new seller and start to sell in those things, whatever they are, it takes minutes instead of a traditional business where you need a buyer, a planner, a marketer, you've got to stock it, you've got to ship it. So you know, it enables businesses to fail faster and, and to learn faster most in particular. So... <laughs> we're finding really, really traditional businesses who, yeah, you know, they were starting to get into the world of everything's led through content, content, content. Hmm. And, and it's a very challenging, like, you know, I, I, you know, I've played in a content space myself and it's very, it's very expensive yes. business to be in. You've got to be very, very talented to pull it off. You've got to be able to build a community around it. And they were doing that to try and own the audience If that makes sense, that's my opinion. Own your own customer, own the audience, own the segment, own the market. But what we're finding is everyone we're working to is owning their customer journey through solving their primary needs or wants of the products that they want to purchase.
1: Yeah. And I think content is still powerful. But if we think back five, six, seven years ago, when everyone was putting so much into content, it was because you could build those Facebook audiences, those Instagram audiences pretty easily because I was still giving you a little bit of organic. But even creating the content now is expensive, but then actually promoting the content to create the people to follow you, it makes it even more expensive. So it's not always the best strategy.
0: Yeah. And then it was really built off,
1: you know, an affiliate type
0: of model in in most instances obviously with some advertising and your sponsor content pieces um, within it and contextual commerce is going to be the affiliate 3.0 in my, in my view. And if you're a content business and you're doing contextual commerce, well, you're probably – a marketplace is perfect to stitch back into those contextual commerce plug plugins. So we're actually seeing a fair bit of media houses in their own right, which we would put into our tribe bucket, which is their unfair advantage is their audience. How do they scale through contextual commerce, link back through a marketplace instead of things they own in their warehouse?
1: That's really interesting because we're seeing a lot of that, especially in the US, around traditional magazines or whatever, turning actually into – uh retailers essentially um and using their content are we seeing that in australia as well yeah 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 we we are um
0: and i think we're going to see a lot more of it like even here one of the predominant watch magazines has created a watch marketplace with us called time and tire um, fish brain which is the largest fishing app in the world so we're seeing that contextual commerce piece sort of flipping And moving straight past the shop front, if that makes sense, where you're competing with your traditional advertisers, but moving into that marketplace type of scenario where you're driving sales through a much, much bigger um, cohort of suppliers and ecosystems.
1: Awesome. Now, this sounds like a really straightforward idea, but I can imagine at the time where you took this to market, marketplaces aren't what they are today and weren't accepted, especially brands launching marketplaces can you talk us back to how you came up with the idea of Marketplacer? Yeah, well, probably actually winds um, back pre marketplacer existing. So,
0: a uh, best mate and I, Sam Salter, we actually went to primary school together. So, like we've been thick as thieves for an incredibly long period of time. And his family was heavily into cycling, so they they owned it. They actually owned a bike store, Sam's brother, uh, and. Yeah, we've we've just through that family connection, we've we've been we've been really familiar with the cycling industry for an incredibly long period of time, and then Sam's mum actually ran famous classified businesses from a magazine perspective in Australia, and so Sam was working in classified magazines, and then I was just I probably took a more traditional route, like I you know I did university, then uh, I worked at KPMG and Morgan Stanley and others around around the world. And then we were just talking one day and said, this, this, there's more bikes sold than cars. It's a, it's a passion. It's an enthusiast market. People can't, in some instances, can't really afford it. Right? They'll pay up to $20,000 for a bike. So they're going to want to trade it, if that makes sense. You're going to, to upgrade, downgrade, you know, hide it from your wife, <laughs> or hide it from your husband. And then you know, the Lance Armstrong, the, the unfriend, like the, the phenomenon of the rise of cycling on the back of Lance Armstrong and you know, Australia's one of Australia's greatest ever sportsmen in Cadell Evans. So we had we had this the tide coming in when you think about business right? like, you know, and you think of probably we had the tide coming in. We had this massive supply base. We had this massive consumer base, and we just and then we had these wonderful small businesses, but had no. How did they How did they get online? How did they get a channel this online world? And we just saw this opportunity. If we could create a community. Create a sense of belonging behind it that we could create an amazing marketplace. And you know, bike exchange is—it's you know, it, a really interesting one because it's—it's it's actually now in ten countries around the world. Yeah, you know, it's in the USA, Benelux in Europe, in um, South America, and there's v- actually very few marketplaces globally that have actually got that larger geographic coverage. Mm. So, in doing all of that, we just kind of looked back and said, "This is way too hard." <laughs> <laughs> So how do you – if you're in a startup, how do you create a sales strategy, execute a marketing plan, hire people, become HR experts? Like there's so much learnings that you, you, you don't – and, you, you know, you're faking it till you make it. You're mm-hmm. in there. You know, you're, you're, you've got the hustle. You've got everything you've got in there. But at the same time, we were building a technology to, to use and consume every single day to solve our problems – so, you know, in 2012, we won Telstra Business of the Year and we thought then, you know, there was a really big opportunity to make it easier for people to solve these types of problems. And that that has evolved massively over time. But effectively, you know, where we really, really, really struck it out is when we made it easy for people to sell things that they don't own, no matter who they were, whether they were a tribe, whether they were a retailer or whether they were a brand or wholesaler. That's where that true scale comes through. But we weren't two tech geeks sitting under a bench, right? We were talking to retailers, we were talking to customers and we deeply
1: understood the problems we were trying to solve um, on a daily basis. Awesome. And when you were building out that tech stack for Bike Exchange, did you have it in the back of your mind that this would become a separate product or was it when you got to the end that you went, oh, someone else can use this? Um, We always
0: thought that it could have been, if that makes sense. So we never limited our minds like... There was a little bit of really sort of niche stuff at the start, but the reality is now the platform's been built over and over and over again over time. But we always thought initially it was how do we create our own group where, you know, we could have a series of marketplaces and, you know, become become a group of marketplaces. But then we actually sort of scaled up in our own heads and said, well, how can we make anyone create a marketplace? You don't have to own or operate each of them. Um, How to become a platform, become sort of that platform revolution that, that can power marketplaces all over the world.
1: Mm. And, like, obviously, that was great for thinking with that approach. And since 2012, there's been huge advancements in e commerce platforms, you know, Shopify coming out and doing what they've done, Big Commerce, Magento 2. Um, it's a whole different world to 2012. Was there any part of you that was scared that at some point marketplaces would just be built into one of these platforms?
0: I think we're always healthily paranoid that <laughs>
1: your your product's
0: going to be cannibalised on a global scale. That said, though, yeah, we've been going for a long period of time, and it's a pretty big stack now. Yeah, there's no doubt we're we're at a time in history where the problem's going to be solved, and it's going to be solved by a few platforms, right? Like that. So, but if we can if we can continue to f- focus on innovation and scale, in particular for not not only our core customers is in the people that you know physically have a direct relationship with us, but from a seller community perspective, um, you know we feel that power of connection is something that will put us in good stead. And I don't—it's so big, uh, and it's so such a big idea. It's not a winner takes all either, and you've seen that with the technology. When I mean, you've seen that with most technology stacks, you know they could be there can be really really good successful businesses from a platform perspective, uh, some of those names you just rolled out are prime examples They're yeah. all probably be in dollar-plus businesses. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we feel that yeah, we, we'll be still in a pretty good spot. Yeah, brilliant.
1: And how do you see marketplaces evolving over the next two or three years? Obviously, the last two, three, five years has been crazy for marketplaces. What are the biggest changes that you see coming?
0: Yeah, I just think growth. Hmm. I, I just think that there's never going to be a time in history where businesses can grow like even if you're an Australian business because the majority of your audience is in within Australia there's never a time in this country and I don't think it will ever be replicated where you can grow like you can today mm. that cash is trapped here like it can you can't travel overseas you you've got the lowest interest rates in history and um, there's a bit of a two-speed economy happening at the same time but if You've been very unfortunately affected by the, the pandemic, which is very bad, or you, or you are going incredibly well and there's not much in the middle, if that makes sense. So, but the cash, there's just never been the cash here. So you know, it's time to invest for post-pandemic and it's time to really, really to scale up and, and drive that growth through selling things that you
1: don't own. I could imagine that you would have been at the forefront of a lot of that growth with Bike Exchange.
0: Yeah, it was t- to be honest the majority of our customers because when it all went down like it, it was only what just over a year yeah, ago just right? Over like year. it's been a it's been a crazy year if you have a little bit of reflection mm. behind it. And and everyone was the first instant whether it was Maslow or however you want to put, run the psychology through your head, but it is survival. You went, that that first four weeks is that you, you went survival and protect, didn't you? Like that, that's what I did in my yep. own head. Anyway, like I said, okay, so went, I went to my kids, I went to my wife, <laughs> like. but you did. I went to your parents and you made sure they were right. And then obviously your you core friends and then you said, okay, now, now that's right. Yeah what do i do what's going to happen with this company <laughs> what's going to because no one knew well, and, and i think the government that the, uh, there's there's mistakes made right throughout it but i think they made less mistakes than other countries for sure and, and the proofs in the pudding uh, and that we're in this position now and as soon as it turned everyone just went bananas and when we even when we went into lockdown you know governments around the world with something like bike exchange says you get it's only safe to do two things ride a bike and go for a run they even stopped them walking in some instances right <laughs> so bike exchange has just had a phenomenal year and and what's more interesting is that we feel that it's created a generational change in the way people view bikes and use bikes
1: listen to this That's me playing my new air guitar. Our friends at Signet recently partnered with Air Guitar Australia and were responsible for protecting the national team's air guitars while on tour in Australia and around the world. We are proud to announce not a single air guitar was broken while in Signet's packaging. Confused? Worried that you may have gone a little loco? I certainly am. Visit signet.net.au forward slash air guitar to find out more. Was there a barrier around bike exchange being peer-to-peer, being able to, when it comes to physical?
0: The majority of bike exchange is B2C. Ah, gotcha. It's retailers selling bikes. Retail selling bikes, okay. The limits was the stores around the world ran out of bikes. Yeah, okay. It was, it was, I've never seen anything like It was like they were looted. Yeah, globally there were zero bikes for sale in the world at, at, at one point it was extraordinary they're starting to catch up now with supply though
1: yeah i remember going to my local bike store here it was just after it would have been about june last year and saturday morning needed a bike for my daughter's a fifth birthday went in there there was absolutely no way you were getting customer service and it wasn't because they were bad they had as many people on as they could literally everyone was just trying to get their hands on whatever they could it was, it was just a phenomenal time for bikes Fights have it, toilet paper, and yeah. bikes, who would have thought it, huh? Absolutely. And just the last question on, on the COVID side of it, being in ten countries around the world with bike exchange, do you see even now, uh, a year out, do you see differences in retail behaviour between those countries?
0: It's unbelievable the differences. It's absolutely situational based on where you're at. Like Germany's deep into a lockdown and, and that, that it's just it's still crazy in there. And and the US is starting to come out. they you know obviously got the vaccine, sort of really starting to roll through at the moment, and they're starting starting to get into a more COVID normal situation. But mm. it's absolutely situational, um, based based on where they're at. You, you even find it in the um, in the psychology of the customer experiences and how you need a, your language that you use and 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 how, and how, you, how your behaviours as a culture back into your customers need to need to happen you know they 've had a pretty rough running in Europe over the last mm. uh, uh, over during COVID and we 're always really really conscious we 're speaking to less fortunate people around the world than we are here that empathy humbleness is something that we really try and we, tr- we really try and drive through yeah beautiful.
1: Now if people listen to this and they go, "Oh, actually you've sparked a few thoughts around what a marketplace could look like for my brand, if, especially if they're traditional retailers or just D2C retailers at the moment. What kind of what are the most important resources that you think they need to get started?"
0: Yeah, so we actually have a methodology either through one of our partners or we obviously host them a lot where we've now they've got like a marketplace at university where we can actually help people go through the strategic thinking of a marketplace, the business planning of a marketplace, what technology requirements they would like to create. And because we created a category, right, it didn't exist. So we had to we had to create these tools for customers. So the actual marketplace.com website's a great resource to, to go through. It's got some incredible knowledge in there and if you need additional help around that thinking, please reach out um, on that side to us, and and you know either one of our partners or one of the marketplace team will be be in touch. But you will need you will need to think it the whole way through from you know organisational structures to roles and responsibility to the tasks that you do to non cannibalising your existing business, so it's only a growth metric to how do you charge your customers, and then then you need a technology platform that supports all of that, like live connection back into your stockers so that you're not overselling things that they've run out of and to being able to process returns and to hook back into logistics companies. So there's, you know, there's two key things in there. There's that deep expertise, then there's this you know, really, really scalable, strong technology platform. And then the third thing I say that makes a successful marketplace is this deep thought of a partner. Within your business, and and that doesn't—I don't mean equity partner, but mm. somebody who deeply, deeply, passionately cares about what you're trying to do, and most importantly, the growth that you want to achieve by doing it. So, they're the three things that we try to that we really try and portray across to get across to our customers that we work with.
1: Yeah, that's nice. We've got deep expertise, the the tech expertise of the tech setup, and the partner deep thought throughout the organisation. When it comes to the the expertise, like a lot of businesses will have e-commerce managers within their business. Do you find that businesses need, say, a marketplace manager as well as an e-commerce manager?
0: Often, what we find is it's just an extension of thought behind your e-commerce person, rather than oh, I need a whole separate team. Yeah, it depends how big you are. Right? Like so, very large organisations, sure, but for the majority of people, you're doing the same. You're in the same mindset. You just need to focus on that third, that we call you know third-party product and that selling through and then returns process behind
1: that. But yeah, it, it's it's a hundred percent that right mindset in that e-commerce manager. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and I'm assuming that goes throughout the, the whole organisation. To your last point around partner partnership deep thought on the tech expertise is inventory the trickiest thing for most retailers to get over. <sighs>
0: not really if you're working with Marketplace because we solved that problem, right? Like, yep. So for the majority of sellers connecting into Marketplace, it's a live, live connection. So we've got pre-built connectors into Shopify, into Magento, into Commerce Cloud. So if you're a seller selling on a Marketplace a connection, it's a it's a live situation. You know, we've solved all, you know, the buffering, all of those technical things. One, of, I think the the biggest single thing that a lot of organisations have to get their head around is nearly organisationally. It's, it's around getting the right culture to enable success of it. So it's, enable, it's making sure that your buyership or your planners don't think of it as a different thing but think it as, a, as the same thing. It's getting those goals and structures lined up. So I would say that the technology risk and that, that connection is nearly nullified a little bit now. And it's more how organizationally you as leaders drive it through your organization to enable growth and success.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And like, if we're honest, I think inventory is an issue for every retailer. It's usually the biggest issue regardless of whether you're selling direct or via marketplaces. And it sounds like if, if it's a big issue for you now, it's going to be a big issue with you with marketplaces because it's just connecting the data. Yeah. And if you've got inventory under control, can actually open up a lot of things. Now, what's next for, for yourself and marketplace? What's next on your radar?
0: Well, I think that the key for marketplaces now just comes back down to one word and that's scale and that's global scale. So we've firmly launched in America. We've got unbelievable leadership over there. We're scaling up, you know, team and customers. Yeah, you know, we're going to learn a lot. It's a, you know, we've done a, I've done, I've launched businesses in America before, um, but every single time you, you learn and, and you grow within yourself, you know, and then, you know, once we've got, you know, Two of the sort of core markets, you know, in that growth to scale phase of the business, you know, we're going to be unbelievable. We're going to be in an unbelievable position. What really we're trying to do with Marketplace is to create one of the best tech- technology companies in the world. Now, if we don't succeed at that, that's okay. We've had a crack and, and we've failed, but you know, we're not thinking um, small in, in in any which way. So, what's next is just be in the moment, be present, be ruthless in our prioritization and scale
1: brilliant and, and all all like the partnerships the signs are there you know like we mentioned at the start we've got Salesforce we've got Woolworths we've got some of those great brands that you mentioned so it's an incredible success story so far um, and, and really proud of what you guys are doing you know representing Australia on the global markets, fantastic
0: no awesome really really appreciate those words
1: now, you've, you've mentioned that if people are thinking about starting a marketplace or so the marketplace or website is a great resource to go and have a look at some of the, the stuff there. How else can people get in touch with yourself or the team if they want to know more? LinkedIn is always a great
0: way throughout. We're, we're really active on um, LinkedIn and connect either to myself, the team, or to Marketplacer directly on LinkedIn. Even just following on LinkedIn, you, you get nuggets of gold through either content distribution that we roll out. And then the, the other thing I strongly encourage people to do is go talk to some of our customers, just go talk, go, go. they're all, you know, a fair chunk of them are listed on the site and just, just go and learn as a community. Cause what you'll find is that the people who have done a, a executed a marketplace or in this phase, you know, they're, they're thought leaders or they're, they're people who are, you know, that they want to be part of this community in Australia. The Australian tech, Slash retail tech community is so small. So just go on to speak to some people um, and get those validation points for yourself
1: as well. can definitely second that. I think there's something in the, like you said, the deep thought around these retailers is that they're always looking for new partnerships. So they're really open to having those conversations and telling you what's and all of what goes wrong, what goes right, how it's helped their business. Um, some of the most open retailers, I think, are the ones doing partnerships like marketplaces. So, Thank you, Jason. Really appreciate your time. Really excited to keep watching what Marketplace is doing. Uh, Wish you all the best. Oh, thanks so much. And, um, And, yeah, thanks
0: for having me part of the show. It's been great chatting. Cheers, mate.
1: I love stories like these coming out of Australia, especially in retail. It shows how we can nurture innovation and take it to the world stage just as well as any other country. The thing that did surprise me in this chat was how much marketplaces should be seen as a customer strategy, not just a product strategy. By asking yourself, hey, what other problems could I solve for my customer? will open up your eyes to the world of opportunity ahead of you. Platforms like Marketplace just make it easier to connect and execute those dots. But again, it all comes down to your customer. How can you serve them better? I can't wait to see what Marketplace will do next. To finish up, I have three resources for you. Firstly, if you're a first-time listener of Add to Cart and you want to stay up to date with new episodes, head over to addtocart.com.au and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. We'll let you know every time a new episode drops, as well as giving you my three takeaways from each episode and a link to the transcripts so you can know that this is an episode that you want to dive straight into. Secondly... If you want a weekly roundup of the best e-commerce case studies, tools, and research, sign up to the High Five Friday newsletter, which is delivered to inboxes at 8am every Friday morning. I read all the e-commerce news and send you the bits that I think you can take action from. Sign up at 12 high 12 au forward slash high five. And the last thing, if you are looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, head over to esweetetalent.com.au. We are a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands. Check it out, sign up to the email and get in touch with me if you want to discuss your next move. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep those customers adding to cart.